0: Hi, this is Mark, and welcome to Neurology. And my very special guest today is Mr. Josh Simon. Hey, Josh. Hey, Mark.
1: Thanks for inviting me on. That's okay. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and mm-hmm. um, I I'm very, very excited about uh, today's podcast because you're talking about something near and dear to my heart. So very much so.
0: Very much so. Just yes. for the uninitiated, if you don't know who Josh is, and if you don't, and why. Uh, He is a co-host for um, probably two of my favourite podcasts. So he's on uh, Doctor Who Mostly Harmless Cutaway, uh, which is with Eric Escamilla, who we had on a few episodes back. And he's also a co-host on a show called The Memory Cheats, which is a bit of a hit on the old uh, iTunes. Everyone I speak to loves that show. And you do that with Stephen, don't you, Stephen, from Radio Free Skyro?
1: Yes, yes, uh, it's funny because that that particular podcast, which is essentially fifteen minutes long, which mm-hmm. I think I think that might be the reason why people love it so much' mm-hmm. is it's really short, uh, but we pick a randomly selected uh Doctor Who story from the classic series, and we just talk about our memories of it and very
0: entertaining it is too. <laughs>
1: For 15 minutes, so there you go. It's, yeah, uh, I'd
0: struggle to do that for 60 seconds, let alone 15, <laughs> minute, 15 minutes, so you're doing very well. It's and a it, lot of fun. And the other show you do uh, with Eric is um, Prognosis Negative, and you do this whole series of commentaries called Shaken Not Stirred, uh, commentaries on Bond films, which are yes. very, very entertaining.
1: They sound yes, like a so lot with, of fun to make. They they really are. Um, commentaries are a lot of fun to do, and um, my my knowledge of James Bond is kind of weak and it was weak for longest the longest time but when when we all kind of got together and said hey let's let's do this let's let's watch all the James Bond movies Mm -hmm. and and just do a commentary on each one and let's do it randomly let's not um, you know do them in order Uh, it was it was a really great idea and and everybody has sort of a different level of knowledge about the movie Mm Stephen hasn't even seen any of them yeah that's one (laughs) of the entertaining
0: things for me I think
1: yeah, so I mean, it's it's really it's really a lot of fun, and I I enjoy doing that, and it's it's a good group of guys too. Okay, so if you're still listening to this now,
0: switch off the podcast, go and check out Josh's <laughs> shows; they're much much better. <laughs>
2: Stop.
0: <laughs> so Stop. Uh, I I kind of uh, got you along to talk about um, Sherlock Holmes.
1: Yes. So um, it, what's really funny is like I've alluded to my love for Sherlock Holmes on Mostly Harmless Cutaway. But actually, mm-hmm. before there was Doctor Who in my life, there was Sherlock Holmes in my life. Yeah. So, um, and, and it's, I, I mean, it sort of makes sense. And if you, if you look around fandom, uh, it, it's not uncommon for Sherlock Holmes and for the Venn diagram, if you will, between yeah. the Sherlock Holmes fans and the Doctor Who fans to be um, in the same boat Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of fans of both, uh, for for uh, probably for obvious reasons, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, all Doctor Who really is, in many ways, is kind of Sherlock Holmes in time and space. Pretty much. <laughs> they do share a lot of uh, similarities. They they do, and um, at least from the classic series, anyway, right? Because mm, yeah. Sherlock Holmes was um, non-sexual, should we call him? Yeah. Uh, there wasn't any women in Sherlock Holmes's life, much like there is no there weren't any women in the Doctor Who's life. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, he was he was you could argue, and I did actually in some paper mm-hmm. <laughs> when i was when I was young, that he was a misogynist, um uh, that Sherlock Holmes did not like women at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, there were several quotes within the literature that that indicate, you know, that women. Uh, arsenic, you know, a smile and then an arsenic in the soup, kind of, mm-hmm. um, uh, that that women were out there to uh, to make men do things and so on. And and he he had he really had a very difficult time with women and didn't really like women that much. So we can even be quite dismissive of his friends, can't he? Because he sometimes gives
0: Watson a bit of a hard time.
1: Yeah, I. You know what's interesting is. Um, I think later in the movies, uh, the, particularly the Basil Rathbones, um, mm-hmm. there there's a lot of a, you know making fun of Watson. And I think that when those movies came out, I think a lot of movie makers thought that that's how, that's how that relationship went. Is that you know Holmes just kept this bumbling idiot around with him yeah. all the time? But but the literature doesn't doesn't pull that off the same way. The literature pulls it more off like. Um, Watson is brilliant. He's a very brilliant guy. Yeah. Um, and and he, it, it sort of makes more sense from a realistic standpoint that why would Holmes hang out with a bumbling idiot? Yeah, why it wouldn't doesn't make he hang sense. Out, why wouldn't he hang out with somebody who is close to his intelligence? Mm-hmm. He would get bored so easily with somebody if they were um, in any way, shape, or form a bumbling idiot. Uh, but... You know that that's the kind of format that sort of worked in the 40s, but yeah. it, but the literature doesn't bear it off, Mark. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't. Uh, Watson is much more intelligent in the in the literature and much more intelligent when you when you see it on screen as it's been written in the literature by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle.
0: It almost feels like Holmes is kind of training him in his ways, and
1: it's almost like he's his kind of um, student, if you like. Oh, definitely. But I mean, you know what? At the end of the day, the way Watson balances off Holmes isn't the intelligence factor. It's just he's got different skills and Mm -hmm. and his his flaws are different than Sherlock Holmes's flaws. Sherlock Holmes's flaws uh, we just started talking about was his misogyny, Mm -hmm. his his drug use, his 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 inability to sort of manage some social situations. Yeah. And and the watson's sort of the opposite he's yeah. he's he's much more sociable and much more um he he's a writer i mean he enjoys writing he enjoys um he he he's more of a people person quotation fingers if you well, will books
0: are told through his eyes aren't they
1: right. from his journals right exactly so he, what What Holmes found in a friend is somebody who could mitigate his flaws to to a large degree, Mm -hmm. at least when you're looking at the literature and you feel like, you know, their friendship is real and it isn't contrived, uh, which you sort of do when you look at those, you know, 40s Sherlock Holmes. Now, now don't get me wrong. um, (laughs) I I love the Basil Rathbone, Nigel Bruce series. I love it. Uh, It's I've watched those movies more times than I've watched dr who's shows i mean that's, it,
0: that's a lot of times
1: it is it is i could actually do a memory cheats on um all 14 uh, basil rathbone uh, nigel bruce uh, sherlock holmes well it josh
0: is... for the next 15 minutes you're going to be talking <laughs> no we won't do that
1: to you. <laughs> i could i could that's the scary thing
0: do you think there might be a case for saying that um arthur conan doyle who wrote the books Possibly, because he based it uh, on uh, the the character of Holmes on uh, Dr. Joseph Bell, uh-huh. who he worked with. And I'm wondering whether there's some kind of, maybe it's very easy to jump to this conclusion that perhaps Conan Doyle was very much the Watson figure and Bell was the Holmes figure. And he's kind of using that as a template for these adventures, maybe.
1: I, I think that, that that's as good an answer as I've ever heard on that, because I think you're right. I think it's very similar to that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's interesting because Conan Doyle made Dr. Watson a doctor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and 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 Sherlock Holmes wasn't a doctor. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, when you're looking at deductive reasoning overall and how deductive reasoning functions, yeah. at least Doctors in those days and doctors in the early 20th century, uh, you know, you don't really have the capabilities of trying to figure out how people uh, – what what's ailing somebody.
0: Yeah, and, you didn't and have how sort of die, ultra scans and that sort and of
1: thing. How to, right, and that was the whole idea that Joseph Bell was teaching was – being able to take the smallest items that you see or the smallest things said and be able to take that and extrapolate it into uh, a story. Mm -hmm. Now, now with Sherlock Holmes, it's all, it's fiction. Okay. Let's, let's be clear. It's fiction. People can't really do this, but To a large extent, this is what doctors need to do, is they need to take small pieces of information and extrapolate it into big to understand diagnoses um, and to diagnose. I I remember my father, by the way, um, is a doctor. um, And for years, um, I remember listening to him on call. When he was on call, he would have to get on the phone with a patient Mm -hmm. and talk to the patient and ask the patient pointed questions about... What's, you know, kind of going on? Mm-hmm. And, and one of my father's really great abilities was to be able to diagnose over the phone. That's pretty impressive. It, it was. And, and uh, um, so I think that, you know, from that standpoint, it really does start. This idea, this deductive reasoning idea, kind of starts from the amount of medicine people knew back in those days. Mm-hmm. Because we have technology today where, you know, I don't know about your doctor, but my doctor has a laptop sitting in front of him. Yeah. You know, he's got a Blackberry. He's, he's, you know, looking stuff up. He's doing, you know, they didn't have that back in those days. So they had to work with what they knew. Yeah. So I have this, or the genesis of the Sherlock Holmes methodology comes from medicine, pure mm. and simple, mm. um, as, as a method. And, and all it does is, is transfer that method into a consulting detective around crime. Yeah. So it's brilliant. From That's that one of the standpoint. things
0: I find really entertaining. You, know, you uh, just in a process of doing a little bit of research into this before we decide to record, um, you recommended a few stories. And um, one of them was the Blue Carbuncle. Yes. And uh, the way he looks at a hat um, and can deduce from just the most tiny little pieces of evidence that this guy is a particular age, um, yeah. his social standing, the fact that he's gone from being quite a well-off person to being someone who's not so well-off anymore. It's really mm-hmm. entertaining. It really, just makes for great reading.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And um I also brought up the speckled band mm-hmm. because the speckled band and and for my money, if 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 your audience has never seen a Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes and wants to start somewhere, mm-hmm. start with the speckled band. Yeah. It's in the adventures of Sherlock Holmes because it's spine tingling. I watched good it yesterday. It um so there's there's a scene where he's he he goes and he he's you know literally on the floor, mm-hmm. and he's going through this. All he's looking at is this room. Yeah. Okay, it's a room like any other. Mark, right? Mm-hmm. He's going through it. He makes his deductions. He doesn't tell the audience what his deductions are. Some things he says, some things he doesn't. There's yeah. like a bell rope coming out of the out of the uh, the grill at the top. Uh, the, the ventilator. Is There's a source of milk. There's a saucer of milk in the other room. There's a saucer of milk in the other room. There's, um, there's, a, there's a safe in there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? There's, um, um, so there's a bed clamped to the floor. Yeah. Okay? There's stuff like that. So when we hear the exposition of this, Holmes and Watson are sitting in this, um, this weird hut that has visibility into this bedroom uh, yeah. for this very old house. And he's telling Watson about this. And he says, uh, something like, you know, the bed, uh, we're, we're about to, you know, we're, I, I have, I have reservations bringing you in tonight, Watson, something like, a, of that nature. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he's like, well, why it's because we're, you know, we're about to get into something that's very, very dangerous. And, and, and he starts describing the room, mm-hmm you know we have a ventilator we have a bell rope attached we have a bed a woman sleeps we have the bed and he's like well what's the big deal he said it's it's about the bed watson it was clamped to the floor mm-hmm. it couldn't be moved and and it's like that's so spine tingling when yeah. he says that do i mean do, do you remember that mark like yeah yeah i mean that's the amazing. music comes in and, and they do all the good drama stuff too but mm. And Jeremy Brett just plays this absolutely perfectly. I mean, we talked
0: about Rathbone before. He was, I I think, probably for a lot of people, maybe of our generation, he was maybe the first on-screen Holmes that most people would have seen. And he was kind of the archetypal Holmes for a lot of people. But for me, uh, having seen the Jeremy Brett interpretation, I think that is Sherlock Holmes to a T. I think he's absolutely amazing spellbinding to watch on the screen
1: without a doubt i I cannot disagree with you there and that and i'm i'm by the way i'm bringing everything that's happened ever since Mm -hmm. okay um because the jeremy brett series came out in the in the mid 80s and 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 stretched to about 1992 or 93 or something like that Mm -hmm. um and yeah he's the archetypal Holmes. but the but the other piece of it is is that with the jeremy brett series mark get out your literature okay Get out your literature for for the early ones. Yeah, you'll find that the dialogue is exactly
0: the same in the book. Well, he was obsessive about making it as close as possible to the source material, and uh, he would spend all of his spare time reading the novels to make sure it was absolutely one hundred percent accurate.
1: It uh, and you know what? It was dead on close. It's mm-hmm. I mean, some things you can't do, but yeah. like, it's really really close to the way the literature was, mm-hmm. which which makes it you know. It, for a modern audience, listen, and and I might be just speaking as an American here, but we don't sit and read books. Not a lot of people read books anymore. They, they're doing a lot of watching. They're doing a lot of stuff on the computer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you're gonna read something, it better be a short paragraph, right? Um, it just we just don't have the patience as a as a. I, I'm speaking for a lot of people here. I'm sure your your listeners are avid readers. I'm well, saying I have to just... say
0: my own personal uh, attention span has become really awful as years have gone <laughs> on. You know, something like a short story can quite grab me, but you know, if a novel, if I'm going to sit and read a novel, it's got to be something that really gets my interest and I have to to stick with it.
1: Absolutely, without a doubt. So I, I'm sort of in your boat. I'm I'm mm-hmm. exactly the same in that in that vein. It's got to really grab me. Mm. So. Uh, the great news is that the Brett series really did grab that od- a new audience for the really original Arthur Conan Doyle Holmes and and people started to really truly appreciate what it was all about because his stories are really brilliant. Yeah. And 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 you would think, you know, the Basil Rathbone series, that stuff was just, you know, they took one element from one story and then built an entire story that had nothing to do with conan doyle around yeah
0: it. i mean the the very early ones were relatively faithful to the novels things like kind of the baskervilles is you know fairly fairly nuts and bolts uh a conan doyle story but certainly as you go through that series of films particularly at the time they were made um there's the whole thing of taking holmes and watson from um, their era and putting them into the 1940s. And they became very kind of almost like public information films, kind of, you know, trying to boost morale because of the whole uh, World War Two going on at the time.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Taking homes and putting them uh, into a modern day. Yeah. No, that, that. that
0: would never happen.
1: That would never happen again. That's craziness. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and it was a brilliant idea then. And mm-hmm. it's a brilliant idea now. Yeah. But, but you're right. But the, okay. So the first two films, Mm -hmm. um if we're gonna we're gonna go to basil rathbone now this is uh i'm gonna bore you now okay you ready okay
0: yeah i'm just getting my uh, pillow ready
1: (laughs) (laughs) so the first two films you're right uh uh, adventures of sherlock holmes and uh hound of the baskervilles Mm -hmm. actually hound of the baskervilles came first and then adventures Mm -hmm. um were uh 20th century fox yes um uh they were close they weren't on completely on Hmm. this but the 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 stories were similar yeah to to the Arthur Conan Doyle's but uh Adventures of Sherlock Holmes was not that was not really it's kind of more like the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes was the play Mm -hmm. that was done by uh, I don't remember his name I'm gonna I'm gonna go look him up because I'm not in the memory cheats um (laughs) (laughs) but it was it was a it was a film of the play that was built uh by but a play was created by somebody Hmm. and um it wasn't a Conan Doyle at all. Right. It, it was. It was just based off the play. And then yes. Yeah, so then they dropped the film series. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And at the same time, um, uh, Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce got pulled onto radio. That's right. Yeah. I read uh, that. In the nineteen forty timeframe. Didn't they do over two hundred shows of that? They. They did. Mm. They. They actually. I don't know if they did over two hundred shows. I know that Basil Rathbone. In 1946, when he stopped doing the movies, mm. he stopped doing the radio plays too. Yeah, and somebody somebody else came in, and did Sherlock Holmes on the radio with Nigel Bruce. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, um, and uh, but but the radio shows had such popularity. Yeah, that that a new movie company came in, Fox. I think it was Fox. As Universal. Universal, sorry, yeah. Universal comes in. Mm-hmm. And they and they say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do Sherlock Holmes, but we're gonna do it in modern day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And because you're right, they became this. You know, as a matter of fact, if you if you have the full versions of these um, movies, you'll find that you know at the beginning they're like you know buy war bonds and stuff like that, yeah. and 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 uh, they're they're not long. They're mm-hmm. they're they're like seventy seventy five yeah. minutes. Uh, but it does really bring Holmes into the I mean, he's he's using a phone, he's he's not in a horse-drawn carriage, he's in a car. And yeah. uh, he comes to the United States for one.
0: Yeah, I watched it today actually, uh, Sherlock Holmes in Washington.
1: Yes. Um and Which is quite a fun I, movie. It is. They're well, they're all I think they're all fun. Hmm. Um the the voice of terror. Okay, so forty two uh it was the voice of terror. Mm-hmm. Um, 42 was an interesting year because they did the Voice of Terror, the Secret Weapon, um, and, and then, then they kind of moved off the war a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, but those two were very, very war-centric, um, Voice of Terror and, and Secret Weapon. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: and they made Moriarty into a traitor, essentially. Yeah. Well, that's another thing that I've found quite
0: surprising, being perhaps not so steeped in Sherlock Holmes, particularly the book's, Um, Moriarty is kind of thought of as this huge figure within the literature from people perhaps coming to it new, whereas he's actually only in two of the books.
1: That's right. Um, There's there's discussion, there's allusions to Moriarty later Mm -hmm. and before, that Moriarty had this incredible crime syndicate that included so many different people that even after his death, uh at the end of the final problem Mm -hmm. uh there was still uh and and i hate to do spoilers for the empty house which is the the story that that ended up after the final problem Mm -hmm. um and we can i guess we can talk about why the final problem ever existed because Conan i him off Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, i think he just got tired of writing it didn't he he got tired of writing it but it's like this thing is is it's such a huge moneymaker, I don't understand why he decided to do that. But he decided to concentrate on his field and stream writing, mm-hmm. his, his outdoors stuff. It's just a, it's the weirdest thing. In fact, there's, <laughs> there's a novel after, after he wrote, after that final problem, mm-hmm. he wrote a complete novel on fishing Yeah, that probably had five people buy it. Mm. He just wanted to write what he wanted to write. Yeah. But anyway, The Empty House has Colonel Sebastian Moran. I'm I'm switching back now. This is yeah. what I Mark, I'm sorry.
0: That's all right. I'm we go off on tangents all over the place <laughs> on this show.
1: <laughs> so, um Colonel Sebastian Moran is the one who uh who uh supposedly was uh was an assassin for Sherlock Holmes. That's long and he was an associate of Moriarty's. Yeah. So there's there's always this allusion to Moriarty mm. as you go through and and eventually it kind of dies off. But but you're right. I mean, people think of Sherlock Holmes they think of Moriarty as yeah. his equal and so on and in fact they in the seventies doctor who they they built a Moriarty for doctor who's uh, yes. john Louis sherlock holmes mm-hmm. uh in in the version of the master
2: yeah
1: um and uh but you're right, it's a very small piece of the oeuvre, if you will yeah. it's not a very it's not a large piece of it, but it's what people remember. Mm. It's, it's kind of like Elementary, My Dear Watson, which he yeah, never ever says. Thing. I think he says elementary,
0: he, doesn't he? But he, I don't think he ever says Elementary, My Dear Watson.
1: He never does in the literature, right? Mm. He mm. never does. But I mean, it's like one of those things that people just remember about him. They remember the the, the pipe, you know, yeah. the calabash, and they remember the deerstalker hat.
0: Yeah. I mean, he wears um, that once, I think, in or well, maybe a few times, but not not every story.
1: No, not by any stretch. Mm. And it's funny because when I started watching the Basil Rathbones, I started getting annoyed by his (laughs) strange hairstyle that he had in, in the, you know, in those 1943 stories with that weird curl he had. Yeah. 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 I was thinking that when I was watching it today. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just very, very strange. Uh, and I mean, I mean, they, they, they made it better later, no doubt, Mm. but, uh, um, but, it, there's only one illusion. It's funny because there's only one illusion to the deer in, uh, in, uh, in Sherlock Holmes in the in the in the Basil Rathbones, and that's in the Adventures, when mm-hmm. he's about to leave the 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 flat, and he grabs he grabs the deerstalker hat, and Watson said, "You promised," and he puts <laughs> it back, and he takes the top hat with him. It's kind of like an illusion towards you know it, we're not doing the old stuff, we're doing yeah. the new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant.
0: Going back to Jeremy Brett, I think possibly what made him such a perfect fit was I always get the impression, I don't know if it's stated specifically, that Holmes maybe has this kind of personality where it's mentioned that when he doesn't have a case, he becomes very depressed. And then when he's working, he's almost like he's really, you know, kind of bouncing off the walls. He's really into it in a big way, almost kind of like he's possibly bipolar. Um, and I think um, Jeremy Brett, from what I understand, had similar issues going on. So it's almost... He,
1: he did. Like it was kind he, of custom made for that role. He was. I mean, in real life, Jeremy Brett was... Had major, major psychological and mental issues. mm um, and that's well documented, by the way. I mm. mean, it's it's well documented. And and before he he died, actually, he he came out and talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, a very interesting guy, uh, yeah. a, a very brilliant actor. But you're right. I mean, he was sort of tailor made for this role because um, uh, it's often talked about in the literature, and and it's alluded to to some degree about how Holmes gets bored very very easily. Mm-hmm and and has to use drugs in order to quell that boredom yeah um, but when he's on a case he's very uh, he's very single-minded on the case mm-hmm. and and that's what he's thinking about all the time so uh, it, it, there is definitely mental illness here mm-hmm. there's no doubt I mean there's discussions of you know possibly an Asperger's kind of yeah. uh, a, yeah i mean that we and and a it's sort of a form of autism where mm-hmm. he he has these very very uh targeted and and knows so much and, and is able to visualize he's mm-hmm. like kind of like the the rain man if you will yeah, okay that As sort of this social really...
0: awkwardness that comes in
1: right and mm-hmm. but but uh on top of that he has these superhuman kind of skills which makes it actually kind of real because these, these people actually exist where mm-hmm. they have this, um, this autism where they, they are piano virtuosos, yeah. but, but, uh, but, you know, can't really, you know, can't pour a cup of tea, um, type and, and, you know, you'll have to excuse me cause I'm, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what the, what that type of, uh, autism is, mm-hmm. but it, it brings it a, a little bit into reality yeah. is that, is that Holmes has this issue where it gives him this sort of superhuman kind of skill, but he doesn't have the social ability to kind of manage it. Mm-hmm. He can't manage it. So when he's not in the a situation where he's on a case, he just doesn't know what to do with himself. Yeah. And and uh, there you know there are points in time where it discusses like he he does an analysis of 150 types of tobacco. <laughs> I mean. It's just because it, it kept his brain moving. And if yeah. his brain stopped moving, he just he got really depressed and really upset and bored and uh, suicidal. Like mm-hmm. really uh, kind of serious feelings. Yeah. Um, and in, in any case, it, it, it's just part of his character, no doubt. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so... I was wow. reading up on Jeremy Brett, and admittedly, this is from the Internet, so I don't know how accurate this is, but um, where I was reading this piece that said that he was one of the few actors that actually played Watson and Holmes. Hmm. Apparently he played Watson in a stage version in uh, LA in 1980. Uh, Who do you think his opposite number was as Sherlock Holmes? Who do you think is a a sort of a
1: likely candidate? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, let's see. So you said stage play in, mm-hmm. um, in L.A.? Yeah. So let's just like, take it as read that it's not an English actor. Okay. So maybe, like, Christopher Lee or something like that? Ah, oh, he's English. Oh. Um, I don't know. You got me.
0: Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> um, No. Actually, I can't. I know, but I can I know Holmes does talking. carry
0: weapons, but I can't imagine a situation where he's going around with rifles, taking people out. I don't know.
1: Uh, I, I might have mentioned Christopher Lee because Christopher Lee played uh, Mycroft Holmes in the 1970 Private Life of Sherlock Holmes with Robert Stevens. Right. Playing. And he also played Holmes himself in, uh, in some German movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I, I know I mean he he seems like he'd play a good Holmes, right? I think so. Christopher Lee. Mm, He's kinda of, kinda of got the right the right uh stature, yeah. the right um the, the right demeanor for mm-hmm. Holmes. Yeah surprised he didn't surprise he didn't play more. Um Peter Cushing actually played. I was gonna Sherlock say, yeah, Holmes. Peter Cushing
0: played him in the seventies, didn't he?
1: Yes. So Peter Cushing is is like Tom Baker. Uh, somebody who has played uh, Doctor Who, if you will, <laughs> and Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Um, and uh, of course, Tom Baker uh, yes. played uh, Sherlock Holmes. What he calls his failed attempt at Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I think he's
0: possibly a bit hard on himself, but um...
1: I, I think he was very hard on himself. Yeah. I thought I, I thought it was it was somewhat decent. Actually, Caroline John was in that. Uh, yeah. Was that the first
0: job you had after Doctor Who? I can't remember now. I'm
1: sure I it don't. Was. No, possibly mm. um, it was 1981 or 1982. So hopefully he worked before <laughs> before that because yeah. uh, it didn't come out until '82, I mm. believe. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought he was he was rather a good Holmes, actually. Yeah. Well, he's, he's got that certain characteristic about
0: him. That kind of uh, how can I put this delicately? He's he's slightly eccentric. <laughs>
1: yep he is and um I, I mean he actually i mean listen Talons of Wang chiang and doctor who yeah. was essentially a sherlock holmes story that's a perfect uh, a perfect doctor who story yeah um and uh and he played it off very much like holmes mm-hmm. and and in fact he he, he had a lot of holmes isms in that story it's not just the deerstalker cap mm-hmm. that he wore but you know, sleepers for tortoises and all that other yeah. nonsense is <laughs> very Sherlock Holmes. Um, and uh, it was, it, that, that was written like a Sherlock Holmes was written. So mm. that, that's, why, that's why a lot of fans of both uh, really truly enjoy both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time. I mean, with the, going
0: slightly back to the literature again for a while, um, it does introduce, I don't know if it's one of the earlier um, kind of uses of it, he was an exponent of martial arts way before Bruce Lee. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of unusual, certainly for the time period.
1: Yeah, actually, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, um, he was sort of James Bond before James Bond was James Bond yeah. too. Yeah. Um, he, he took two disguises.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, he was a brilliant, uh, um, actor on his, on his own, um, he he was able to disguise himself very very well. They they did this a little bit in the Basil Rathbones, but I mean it was so clearly in disguise in those. Yeah. Um. Uh. But but in the Jeremy Brett, I mean he he plays off extremely well mm. as this uh, as a beggar on the street or somebody in an opium den or yeah. something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um. There's also um, talk about like his cane. He actually had a cane that that had a knife at the end. Yeah and uh, some brandy at the top and i mean he 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 liked some of these gadgets which mm-hmm. kind of you know kind of brings me into the James Bond piece yeah um and he so so he had a lot of these facets that that ab- that made him able to to manage these cases he he went he took a. he took it upon himself to to manage each case very very differently sometimes Mm -hmm. he'd actually go in and become somebody who was around the man with the crooked lip is the one that um uh comes to mind Mm -hmm. that he had to actually become a person like this person in order to understand his uh his motivation kind of like a method actor Kind of like a method actor mm. and 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 all a method actor really is is somebody who who needs to understand the mindset of somebody mm-hmm. in order to play the role, and that's the way Sherlock Holmes looked at uh, at detection is he had to really kind of get in somebody's mind to understand how they operate mm-hmm. because he could make it predictable, so he took the the human aspect of being unpredictable and made it predictable by understanding what they were like. I think if you
0: ask a lot of people who perhaps aren't that well-versed in the world of Sherlock Holmes to name a Sherlock Holmes story, I think, just off the top of my head, I would think the majority of people would probably say The Hound of the Baskervilles. Yes. Now, what is quite striking to me is... He's barely in it. For a lot, for a large section of that story, he's not even involved. It's all Watson, which is quite interesting, I
1: think. Yeah, and I think that *Hound of the Baskervilles* is well known, no doubt. But mm-hmm. I mean, I—it's by by no means the best story ever created. It, it's very interesting how that one gets a lot of press, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but the scene of him in the deerstalker really mm-hmm. sort of comes from that hound of the Baskerville yeah. um, story uh also interestingly enough, like the first story mm-hmm. which was a scandal in bohemia yeah the first well the first short story right
2: mm-hmm.
1: the first one in the strand was a story where Holmes failed <laughs> i mean he, he he was he was bested by arene Adler. In so that's that where they story. got the
0: idea in in Rocky to to get
1: him to lose the first one, and then they could do a, a follow on. <laughs> it's it's interesting because when you're trying to set up your hero, mm. you almost want him to win. Yeah, and, and 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 again, you know, I mean, he I believe he had novels before he had the short stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, um, when you're trying to introduce a no, new audience, yeah, uh, introducing by showing how he failed. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's an interesting way of doing it.
1: It is. It is an interesting way of doing it. And, and again, I mean, st- that whole idea around you know how do you how do you get somebody to be predictable?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: there are there are certain things that are commonalities among human human beings yeah. that he actually studies and understands. So when he put off the smoke bomb in that house, he knew that she would look at where that thing was hidden, where yeah. that picture was hidden,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, it's just. And it's even if you have the most brilliant adversary, they're human and they're gonna make mistakes because they're human. And if you have that understanding of the way humans operate, Mm -hmm. you will best them because they can't help. But um, it's like a tell in poker, isn't it? But give them give themselves up. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's like a tell in poker, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Holmes would have been a great poker player. Yeah, I'm sure.
0: So you mentioned um, Scandal in uh, Bohemia,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, which they kind of gave a, a, a new twist to in Sherlock, the the Stephen Moffat version, uh, which was a scandal in Belgravia, which is an area of London. And I think Irene Adler's quite different in this take
1: compared <laughs> to how she is in the book. She is. Actually, I enjoyed a Scandal in Belgravia mm-hmm. much more than I enjoyed the original story. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Scandal of Begravia was brilliantly done Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and, and it, and it did bring the, um, the, the Mariardi piece into it as well. Yeah. Um, I I thought that was absolutely brilliant the way (laughs) they put that together. I mean, and they, they used, they used the modern technology in order, the, the cell phone and everything about the cell phone was important.
0: I really like that. Um, the way they used it as well, just the idea of superimposing the text on the screen, I thought it was just a really neat sort of um, shortcut to kind of get the plot moving. And also just little things like um, Watson now having a blog rather than writing a journal. It's yes. the obvious yes. thing, isn't it?
1: Isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And uh, I liked how in this particular story, they actually uh, started talking about some of his cases yeah. and, and and how you know they changed the name just slightly yeah. from... From the from the Arthur Conan Doyle ones, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's funny because uh, that's the great thing about Stephen Moffat and I, what I like about him in in, uh, in Who also mm. is that he he does like love to kiss the fans a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. excuse my phone. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I love to. I love the fact that he uh, that he loved to do uh, a little thing to. The, that the fans would appreciate. Yeah. But it but wasn't really all that important for the story necessarily. Yeah, it's like a little
0: nod to the fans.
1: Absolutely. So Without it won't affect
0: your enjoyment of the story, but it's just something that if you're well versed
1: in it, you pick up and Oh yeah, he's talking to me. <laughs> and that's that's the great thing about it is uh I mean Stephen Moffat actually, you know, is is in two of my favorite franchises, if not two of my favorite absolute favorite franchises. And uh, he really gets it. Yeah, he totally gets it. So the new Sherlock actually is the closest to uh, attempting to bring uh, the idea of Holmes into the modern world, mm-hmm. and he's he's got it perfectly. He's got the type of characters perfectly. Uh, he he did a great job. I'm 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 giving Moffat all the credit, but it was a lot of different people. with yeah. Sue Virtue and Mark Gatiss and a bunch of other people too. That's but right. The Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch mm-hmm. combination is a stroke of brilliance. Yeah, yeah. it's very much like that friendship. Um, it, it feels very close to that friendship that was in the literature, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, Watson is so loyal as a friend, mm-hmm. and and that comes off in the literature, and and here it comes off also how loyal he is to as as a friend, even though he knows that Holmes is just this whacked-out guy. Yeah. He still stands by him, right? Yeah.
0: I think I'm right in saying when they first meet in the novels, um, Watson was serving in the army in Afghanistan. Yeah. And it just goes to show how little things change because in the modern-day version, there's still a war going on, albeit a different one in Afghanistan, and he's been uh, sent home.
1: It's definitely a clever parallel between the two, Mm. no doubt. Um, and I, I think that they did a lot of that um, in, in creating Sherlock. Uh, the, there are a lot of clever parallels between the two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, the other thing about, well, they met through a mutual friend, right, yeah. uh, in, in literature, right? And yeah. they both they both needed a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And um, in this case, you know, uh, well, well, Holmes needed a roommate, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's unknown why he needed a roommate, but... Um, everybody has a different idea of the reason why that that, that sort of happened. But mm-hmm. we know that Watson didn't really have a job. I mean, he was, uh, he just came from the war and he, he had no one mm-hmm. um, and, and he, he needed, he needed a place to stay. So he, he stayed with the, and became, became this man's best friend. And, and it's interesting because what Holmes really needed was somebody who was like a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that, that's a parallel between the two as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're um,
0: aware of the, there's a show in the States called Elementary. Yes. Have you seen any?
1: <laughs> yes, I have. Um,
0: and they take that if, to another level, don't they? Because he's like a recovering addict. And uh, Watson in this case, I think he's played by Lucy Liu,
1: is kind of like his uh, therapist almost his um what what's what's the word not therapist but he her job is to sort of stay with him and make sure he stays off drugs yeah yeah um and she calls him his client yeah uh, her client Mm -hmm. uh if you if you take elementary as just simply as a drama Mm -hmm. with a good idea yeah and you kind of take it out of the Holmes, uh the real sherlock holmes meme yeah. it's enjoy it's really enjoyable yeah i but, think it makes for
0: a good detective story but it's not Holmes.
1: it's not Holmes, mm-hmm. uh, and and i mean it so it's okay and i like it and i do watch it and enjoy it but if if i enjoy it as a, a ho- I don't enjoy it as a holmes fan i enjoy it more as, as a drama fan and uh mm-hmm. a fan of that type of genre yeah. versus versus making it into something that's homes because it would annoy you if if you're watching it to look for sherlock holmes a lot of things would annoy you a lot yeah Mm -hmm. so i kind of take myself out of that a little bit and watch it as it is it's not like the bbc sherlock which is much more much closer to what you would expect modern day homes to be like yeah um
0: i think they uh, they take more care to try and weave in things from the original source material, whereas I get the impression from the, the one or two that I've seen of Elementary, uh, they're just kind of going off in, with taking that core idea and then just having completely new stories.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it, I, I think the character on, it, on his own, I, I don't think Sherlock Holmes could have ever been an addict of mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. quite honestly, because Sherlock Holmes was an addict of his cases, he could have dropped everything else. If he had just simply had cases going twenty-four hours a day, mm-hmm. he never would have turned to drugs. He never would have turned to anything else. Yeah. He he was he wasn't an addict. He was a he was sort of a psychological disaster when it came to that <laughs> kind of thing. Um that that was it wasn't it was it's not in his he wasn't as as we would portray a human being. He would be he was he was very off Hmm. it was i I don't believe he would have been an addict although watson did worry about him i mean and his usage of cocaine his usage of morphine and other drugs Hmm. but he never needed it when he was on a case so if you had to try and convert
0: someone who's never read a homes never seen any of the jeremy brett programs any of the rathbone movies what would you choose as your introductory story to try and get them hooked
1: So when you say introductory story, Mm -hmm. um, do you mean like if I wasn't going to make them go watch Sherlock, which is the first thing I'd make anybody watch if Mm they've never seen anything with Holmes? I really would make them watch Sherlock because it would – and and I'll I'll get to literature in a second Mm -hmm. because, because I think it's great drama. It also tells the stories like a Holmes story would be told. Yeah. Um and it, it will keep you involved the entire 90 minutes or whatever it is that, that those are on. Um as far as the literature is concerned, mm-hmm. I brought up the speckled band earlier. Yeah. Uh the speckled band to me is shows Sherlock Holmes that it's very uh very foundation mm-hmm. of what it really is. You've got, and it's sort of cookie-cutter, if you will, to some degree. You've got a woman that comes in, she's afraid she's feels like she's gonna get killed Mm -hmm. you got um you 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 have Holmes going and doing all of his deductions on a room or a pair of rooms Mm -hmm. and then you have Holmes solving the problem and also saving the woman at the same time I've just told the story there you go (laughs) that's okay you don't need to read it now folks that's it (laughs) (laughs) no but it's it's really brilliantly done yeah um and and there, there are some pieces in there where you're like oh maybe it's this or maybe it's that mm-hmm. and once the story is told you realize how brilliant he is and yeah. how he deduced everything because nothing is really clear
2: mm.
0: there's all these little uh, it, pieces of information that come through and you it's almost like misdirection you're kind of trying to second guess how it's going to turn out but he's very clever in the way that he plots it
1: no doubt about it um and and there are many in the, that first year, if you will, that Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, the Bruce Partington Plans is very mm-hmm. good as well. Um, uh, the Solitary Cyclist, mm-hmm. those, those really portray Holmes in the way that I remember, um, getting really interested in Holmes. Mm-hmm. So if I were to start with some of the literature, I would really start with that first book, the, the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, the return is more like a, uh, which is the next set of, uh, short stories, the return yeah. of Sherlock Holmes. It, it kind of delves into other areas and, and it, it's still very good by the way. And, mm-hmm. and as a Holmes fan, I really enjoy most of what's in the return, Yeah. but, but if you want to get up and running on who Holmes is, I would definitely believe it or not. I'd start at the beginning. Okay. I would say it's funny because I wouldn't say that about Dr. Who. I wouldn't at all. I would say start in the middle somewhere. Um and, and then, then go four back.
0: episodes with cavemen talking about <laughs> making fire. That's that's like, great TV. <laughs> I have to say the first episode is awesome. I love the first oh, yeah, episode I, of an I, I, child is amazing.
1: I agree, but I I mean if I were to start my uh 13-year-old daughter on it, mm. I think I might start with something in the new new series or mm-hmm like i would start somebody on sherlock yeah i would start somebody on the bbc version of sherlock Mm -hmm. and then bring them back to the original yeah i think that's Um, that's a fair comment and 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 then the jeremy brett's Mm -hmm. because because i think the jeremy brett's actually are the literature in moving pictures yeah and and there's much value in in seeing the stuff that Conan Doyle actually, it was all Conan Doyle's ideas mm-hmm. and not just a piece of his ideas, yeah. extrapolated into something that's a lot more for a wider audience. I, t-
0: I think they took a lot of care to make them as close as they possibly could and try and capture that essence that's in the books. And I think they've done a great job. It's brilliant.
1: Mm. It's absolutely brilliant.
0: I don't know if you've read it, but there's a book by an author called Anthony Horowitz uh, it's called um, The House of Silk. No. It's awesome. I mean, I've, I'm i nowhere near as versed in homes as you are, but this was sanctioned by the Conan Doyle estate or whoever looks after that sort of uh, property. So this was an official book. Um, I have the audio book, um, and it's read by Derek Jacoby, and it is brilliant, absolutely superb, really captured that spirit.
1: I'll have um, to check that out. Mm, yeah, it's very, I mean, very you, know, good. you know what's really funny is we've been talking about Holmes for about an hour, mm-hmm. and um, we haven't even scratched the surface. I no. mean, there's just, uh, there's just so much out there, mm-hmm. and and there are so many movies, and there are so many there's, there's television shows, and there's mm-hmm. th- there's short stories, and there's stuff that people have written on a mo- for a modern audience that mm-hmm. that's in that's in novels that supposedly are Sherlock Holmes based. Um, and I mean, we, we can't even scratch the surface on this. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's just so much out there. I just, I just, I just think that if you, if you get really interested in it, you're never going to run out of material. That's a great (laughs) thing about it, isn't it? (laughs) You're really not. And, and, and again, I mean, the original material, you're looking at four novels and 56 short stories. Mm -hmm. Okay. To get through that alone. Will take you a while. Actually, in high school, when I was in high school, back mm-hmm. about 5,000 years ago, um, <laughs> I actually did my senior research paper on Sherlock Holmes. Oh, wow. And read all 56 short stories and all four novels as a result. Mm-hmm. And I built this long standing essay on who Sherlock Holmes was and his. I wonder where that is I should go look for that uh, maybe I burned it somewhere I don't know but um imagine doing something in high school that you love to do yeah oh, and awesome. and putting it all together into into something like that and actually making that uh work for you it, it it's it's something I was interested in as a kid mm-hmm. um my father introduced me to the basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes uh, movies when I was 10 mm-hmm. uh something like that and that's kind of what we did like on weekend nights we would sit and watch them and we'd watch them out of order and we'd watch them over and over and over again and talk about them over and over and over again so there's another
0: similarity with doctor who's great family viewing
1: it really is and and you know it's it's just the way i mean it's the way i really got close to my dad and and mm-hmm. it, those, those movies are so fun, and there's only 14 of them, but we went over them over and over and over again. He loved them that much as much as I did. Do so you never get bored of them? I don't get bored of them. I watch them from time to time today, sometimes mm-hmm. late at night when there's nothing on TV. The best time to watch a black-and-white film, in my view, yeah. is late at night. I agree, I agree. In the dark, right? And. I just I you know, I throw one on and and they're not that long and I just I watch them all the way through. And uh I mean I know what the ends are, but uh and I've seen them a million times, I could almost quote them. Kind of like uh the Philip Hinchcliffe era of Doctor yeah. Who. But there's an um, enjoyment there. Massive enjoyment. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so uh, and um I obsess over them to to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's very unusual in Doctor Who fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know is that that's the great thing about meeting so many great dr who fans over the last few years is Mm -hmm. that you learn that you know you're not alone yeah you know you're not alone in kind of this weird obsession that you have with it (laughs) um and you know it's 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 really this very similar with homes and uh you know there are there are homes files all over the world just like there are dr who people who love dr who all over the world as well and uh the, you know uh and we started this conversation by talking about that venn diagram between the two and um you come full circle yeah we have the and, and, yes no adric involved though <laughs> oh, <God>. um <laughs> and and you know the fact of the matter is you know we're all very similar we all have this love of something very very similar which is this brilliant person mm-hmm. who uses their brain to solve problems yeah okay it's all but, about you know, their no matter, intellect it is, it's not about anything else. It's not about anything else. It's about how how special their knowledge is and how they use their special knowledge in order to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the, the greatest heroes in, in my life, and I started talking about my, my father who mm-hmm. was a great diagnostician over the phone, he was, he was like that in so many ways it, when I was growing up. And I looked up to that. And that's what I always wanted to do was be able to solve problems, to mm-hmm. be that person you come to, to solve problems. And, um, and it shaped how my career and it shaped my life and shaped how I am. So it's had and a long-lasting effect on you. Absolutely. And, and it, it continues today. And I, I still have a deep appreciation for it and still love it. That comes
0: across, obviously, the way you're so passionate, the way you talk about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, I, I mean, so it becomes a part of you, and, and, and when, you, when you watch these things and when you read the docu- when you read documentation, when you read the literature,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm in IT, so that's all I talk about is documentation. <laughs> yeah. um, when, you, when you read the literature, you're, you're seeing brilliance in front of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people have, you know, some people's heroes are John Wayne or, or maybe it's a politician or maybe it's uh some other movie actor mm-hmm. or 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 maybe or maybe it's a famous person in history yeah. like Mark, martin luther king or somebody like that mm-hmm. who inspires you to become the person you are yeah. and even though it is fiction and all this is fiction mm-hmm. there are real life people who you go to to solve problems and these are the people who are what we would call in the IT subject matter experts. Mm-hmm. These are brilliant people who know how to take the very smallest amount of information and extrapolate that into a solution.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And being able to do that and those skills are something that I have great respect for and I get excited about.
0: So I'm going to throw you a curveball now, Josh.
1: Oh, no, 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 no curveballs.
0: <laughs> so we spent the nearly last hour talking about homes. So I'm guessing you've probably done a little bit of research because as much as you're kind of well versed in it, you're probably a bit like me and you'd want to watch a few episodes of Brett or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you've been enjoying at the moment away from homes?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you might be shocked to hear this, but mm-hmm. um, um, I've really gotten into James Bond. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so um, uh, I Skyfall. Um, and this has become sort of my newest love is is really diving into the Bond um, and, and, and it's part of the, the, the whole thing around um, um, the commentaries we're doing but I'd never seen them that much and I really love Skyfall and I, I thought uh, I've seen it actually twice in the theater which is mm-hmm. something I've, I've never ever done is watched a movie twice in a theater
0: it's a great um, film
1: it really is and, and it's good for anybody even just starting out with uh with james bond it's it's a good movie on its own mm-hmm. and uh I just really enjoyed it and uh, I love how they've rebooted Bond and mm. they it's interesting that you know why wouldn't I like James Bond? you have a fifty year franchise mm-hmm. you know that's gone through so many different regenerations sounding familiar yeah you know and and is is just as popular today as it was back then mm-hmm. if not more more so and um uh, you know you got a guy who is has special talents you know yeah uh, and uh it's just i mean it's just brilliant stuff so that's that's kind of where i am right now is mm-hmm. is trying to dive in and become um more versed in the area of james bond mm-hmm. um
0: i was talking and, to uh, someone i don't know if you've heard of him called eric escamilla are you vaguely aware of him i've never heard of him no it's, no see is he, is he a good guy yeah yeah he's actually yeah uh, slightly whimsical at times but yes yeah, he's, he he's, is he's a good guy yeah uh, he That's was right <laughs> he was comparing uh, skyfall with um the jj abrams star trek movie not hmm. in terms of plot but in terms of they're taking all the the key factors from a successful franchise from the past keeping them in but also updating it enough that it's still relevant to a, a new audience I think he made a really good point there.
1: Wow, that is quite brilliant. Mm. That's surprising. No, I'm just kidding. He often does this. He often does this. He's able to, he does this himself as he extrapolates one thing into the other and it mm-hmm. works. Um, it's one of the great things about talking to Eric uh, about stuff like this. Uh, but you know, you know what's interesting? I'm just going to tangent off with J.J. Abrams for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, he's created a show here, a drama called uh, Person of Interest. Yeah. Have you heard of that uh, yeah somebody was recommending that in uh, one of our
0: feedbacks not that long All right.
1: ago. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that I'm gonna say I'm gonna highly recommend that okay okay uh, for anyone who appreciates a little bit of uh, crime drama along with a little bit of science fiction attached to it okay um, and I think it's brilliant and I think it's brilliantly written and it's brilliantly acted and I highly recommend that to, to everybody. Um, who enjoys that kind of thing, uh, the combination, a little bit of sci-fi and, and uh, crime drama. This guy has invented a machine. Basically, this machine it was invented after 2001 where it detects whether somebody might be a terrorist, okay? okay? It uses It uses every camera there is everywhere. And what it does is it finds, you know, everything that you say and everything that you do, it looks for a certain certain words or certain things around them that would put them either into into danger or they're either the perpetrator Mm. or the victim. Right. And you don't know what it is, but their number comes up and you have the guy who invented the machine and you have this special forces guy who's kind of living under the radar and around uh, away from the authorities, Mm -hmm. um, who, who goes in and tries to save these people or stop them from killing somebody else or stop them from doing something wrong. And you don't know if they're the perpetrator or the victim. That sounds really out there. <laughs> it is <laughs> it is really, really good TV. Oh,
2: cool.
0: I may have to add that to our uh, rental list.
2: <laughs> do
1: so. <laughs>
0: do so. It sounds a Check little bit like Minority Report. That kind of being able to um, analyze or predict the future and uh, try and catch people before they actually do what they're going to do.
1: Yeah, and it's just, I mean... So the fact that it changes each story, you Mm -hmm. don't know whether it's the perpetrator or the victim or what the story is. And it just it makes it more interesting. That does sound very cool. It is. It is. Hmm. There is some good modern stuff out there. You just got to look for it. You just got to look for it. That's all.
0: Yeah. Well, Josh, thank you ever so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate you taking the time out to come on and chat about Sherlock Holmes. Well, thank you for inviting me, Mark. I really enjoyed it. And maybe if there's something else you'd like to have a chat about, you'd like to come back another time.
1: Well, you, you know, I'll always chat about Doctor Who. I could do that every day. Excellent. Right. That's a <laughs> date.
0: <laughs> Closing out the show today, this is Mark. <laughs> this is Josh. And even if you're about to take a tumble over Reichenbach Falls... <laughs> Don't panic. <laughs> <laughs>